Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses has been giving his goodbye speech to the nation of Israel just before they begin their journey of conquering the Promised Land. God reminds them through Moses that they were to love God supremely and to obey His word once they were in the land of promise. Moses wants them to commit their ways to the Lord and His word. Last time, we began to look at the daily ways the Israelites were to choose God as a priority. We continue with this list as we join Pastor Will in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 10. Now, having reminded them to keep their covenant with God, it could be very easy for an individual to think, who am I? I mean, look at all these thousands and tens of thousands of people here. I don't matter in the grand scheme of things. So if I mess up, it's no big deal. If I go do what I want, it's no big deal. So in verse 10, Moses reminds them that every person matters. Every person must do this for the nation to succeed. Look at verse 10. He says, you stand this day, all of you, before the Lord your God. They're captains of your tribes. That would be their leaders, the top dog in each tribe. Your elders, these would be respected men who help govern each tribe. Your officers, those would be the personal assistants to those leaders. With all the men of Israel, these would be all the men of war. And your little ones and your wives and the stranger that is in your camp. He says, everybody's there. All of you are here. All of you are gathered here. You stand this day, all of you, before the Lord. The word there, stand, means to station oneself. Now, it's my personal belief that this was the day that Israel would actually, this generation would renew their commitment to the covenant, that they would ratify the covenant for themselves. Now, I suggest it, I believe, because we don't have a record of such an event at this location, even though Moses keeps talking about this event, you know, all throughout the book of Deuteronomy. We actually never see it happen. But I believe at some point before he died, they did do it, most likely on this day, because they're all here. And what Moses is saying, he's going, everyone is important. Everyone needs to make this commitment. Even the stranger that's in your camp. Remember, Israel took foreigners with them out of Egypt. Some of the Egyptians went with them. There were Midianites who joined Israel because of their association with Moses' father-in-law, and they went with Israel. So there were Gentiles that were with Israel, part of them, and going into the land. And just in case, after naming every nationality, every gender, every everything that was there, every status as far as political person goes, whatever, even even then, just in case someone thought they didn't count, Moses mentions the two most menial work positions, lumberjacks and water boys. He says, from the hewer of your wood unto the drawer of your water. You know, I'm kind of wearing the half lumberjack. I need like red and black to be the full lumberjack, but I've got kind of that going on today. And we kind of prize that, that idea of the rugged man, you know, that kind of thing. And because we don't do that anymore. We don't go out and chop our own wood. If you do, more power to you. That's great. I get mine from Walmart. But back then, it was a menial task. Water boy, you're the one that brings water to the people who work. That was the lowest paying task that was out there. Doesn't matter. Whether you were a servant or a leader, everyone had the same relationship with God. 
through this covenant. And so everyone was important to God's plans. Now, does that sound like a New Testament idea? Of course, it's a New Testament idea. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have that whole famous section on the body of Christ. Beginning in verse 12, Paul the Apostle tells us, For just as our physical body is one and has many different members, many different parts to it, and all the members of this one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. My body has many different parts to it. They all don't do the same things in the same way as the body of Christ, us. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be slave or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, well, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No, of course not. It is. It's still there. And if the ear shall say, well, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. I'm not important. No. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course it is. If the whole body were an eye, then where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And if there were all one member, then where were the body? If we were all a foot, that would not be attractive. If we were all a hand, that would not get the job done. But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, well, I have no need of you. You can't say, well, I'm, I'm not important enough. But you also can't say, well, I don't need you. I'm, I'm perfectly fine on my own. Nor again the head to the feet, saying, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And on our uncomely, the not-so-beautiful parts, we have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God is the one who put the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks. Why? That there should be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffers, all members suffer with it. For when one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. People don't come to my mouth and say, oh, Pastor Will's mouth, good message tonight. Great message tonight. I'm a person. I have lots of different parts. And I use my mouth, probably too much, but I use it. All the other parts, they're honored as well. If someone says, hey, that really blessed me. And just in the same way, in the body of Christ, whether you feel like you're important or whether you don't feel like you're important, everyone is important to God's plans. Why do they need to keep their covenant with God, even as an individual? Because everyone matters, number one. But number two, because a relationship with God is the most important thing. Verse 12, why do they stand here? And you should enter into the covenant with the Lord your God. Back in Deuteronomy 29, verse 12. They're stationed here that they should enter into the covenant with the Lord their God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you this day, that he may establish you today for a people unto himself and that he may be unto you a God as he has said unto you and as he has sworn unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I love the phrase here that you should enter into a covenant with the Lord your God. The word there, enter into, means to cross over. Here they've all stationed themselves, and they're there for a reason. This is why I believe it happens this day. Moses says, step up to the plate and make your commitment. Cross over the line. You have been walking along with your forefathers this entire way. You've been riding on their coattails this entire way. Now it's time for you to choose. You know what's interesting? Joshua will say it, but in a different way. When he's about to die, he says to them at the end, after all the land's been conquered and they are about to renew their covenant with God again, many years later, what does Joshua say to them? Those famous words, choose you this day whom you will serve. Cross over the line. You have not made a choice yet. It's time to make a choice. It's time for you to enter into this covenant with God. A relationship with God is the most important thing we can do. 
And so he says, cross over, make the choice, enter into his oath. That's the curse formula, all the things in chapters 27 and 28. You say, God, we will obey you. And if we don't, these things will happen. And if we do, these things will happen, the blessings and the curses. Enter into that, which the Lord God makes with you this day. And why does God want to do all that? Why does he want them to do that? Why does he want them to make that commitment? Because God doesn't want to curse them. He wants to bless them. But the choice was theirs, that he may establish you today for a people unto himself, that he may be unto you a God as he has said unto you and as he has sworn unto your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and unto Jacob. Like I said, this generation has been along for the ride up to this point. The commitment to God was made by their forefathers at Sinai 40 years ago, but they're all dead now. Now it's their turn to step up and decide for themselves. And you know, every single day, you and I make the same decision, don't we? Right? To step up to the plate and to say, Lord, today I will serve you. And you know, will you invest in your relationship with God? God promises that he'll invest far more than you ever will if you do so. So you never lose when you decide to pour into your relationship with God instead of something else. So everybody matters to God. A relationship with God is the most important thing. Thirdly, because they also need to pass on their relationship to others. Why do they need to enter into this covenant? Because they need to pass it on to others. Verse 14, he says, Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that stands here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. Part of Israel's commitment to God at Sinai was to pass it on to the next generation, which they didn't do. Because when the great moment came for them to go into the land to trust God, they refused to trust the Lord. And that was followed by many rebellions until the Lord had killed all of them off in the desert. Now this generation, they will experience their own challenges in trusting God. Remember when they go into the land, they have the great victory at Jericho, and then what happens next? They go up against this little tiny city of Ai. And Joshua figures, we don't need to send a whole army over there. We can focus on some other things. We'll just send off, I think it's 30,000 troops or whatever it is to go fight Ai. And Ai whoops them. I mean, people are dying. And they come back to Joshua and they tell Joshua and Joshua comes to the Lord and goes, God, what are you doing? People are dead because of this. And he's crying out to God and the Lord says, get up, quit crying to me. There's sin in the camp. You need to deal with it. What? There's sin in the camp? And it turns out God had said to them, listen, Jericho is like the tithe city. It belongs to me. I want you taking any plunder, any riches for yourself. You're going to burn it all up. It's saying it's the Lord's. Well, there was a guy named Achan who went in and he took somebody's possessions, something that really attracted them there, and he took it and he hid it. And so God had to discipline the nation. How would they deal with this? See, they would have their own challenges that they would face in trusting God. To pass their relationship with God on, they would need to live out those challenges. They'd need to live out their relationship with God so their kids, the next generation, would see their faith, that it's real and that it's meaningful. And that's a great question for us. You know, are we living out our relationship with God in a way that the next generation, that our own kids, can see that our faith is real and meaningful? Or do our actions communicate something very different than our words? Now, to accomplish this, Israel must resist the temptation to not only trust the Lord in these challenges, but they must resist the temptation to go back into idolatry once they encounter the Canaanite culture on the other side of the river, which is another reason they need to reestablish their covenant with God here. Because sin, sin can be very tempting. Look at verse 16. He says, for you know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt and how we came through the nations which you passed by. And you have seen their abominations, their disgusting, repulsive behavior, things that gods hate. You've seen it and you've also seen their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. Everything that Israel observed when they were in Egypt and everything they saw as they would pass by these other nations on their way to the promised land. None of that was present in Israel's camp. There were no totems, there were no statues, there were no shrines, there were no temples, nothing. But once they cross the river, all that stuff's gonna be everywhere. 
everywhere they look. Some of those things will be big, large, ornate, and really shiny. And when they see them, they need to guard their heart against two things. Number one, they need to guard their heart against becoming enamored by the trappings of idolatry. Look at verse 18. He says, you know all these things are there. and You got to be on your guard lest there should be among you a man or a woman or family or a tribe, an entire tribe, whose heart would turn away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations. We sing that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And it's so true, isn't it? We are. Our tendency, our nature is to forget. Our nature is to wander. Our nature is to see something new and shiny and crave it. We want new. We want shiny. We want to feel important. We want to feel relevant. You know, someone came to me this morning and said, Pastor Will, thank you for the message. I really needed to hear that. It just seems like the church doesn't want to address a lot of these topics. It feels like we just want to be relevant. We want to be, you know, accepted. We want people to see that we're intelligent or we're educated or we're this or we're that. And so we just kind of, we just go along with these things or we just kind of, we don't really address them. Shame on us if we do that. Shame on us if we do that. Shame on us if we want to feel relevant at the cost of disobeying God or not calling right right or calling wrong wrong. Not only that, but we want people to recognize us. And those feelings can deceive us if we don't love God supremely. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10, the Lord talks about the hearts of his people. And my heart and your heart is no different. In Jeremiah 17, verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, the thing he's going to wield as a weapon, and whose heart departs from the Lord. Cursed be that man. Why? For he shall be like the heath in the desert, a shrub in the desert, no fruit. And he shall not see when good comes, but he shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. On the other hand, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out her roots by the river. And he will not see when the heat comes, but her leaves shall be green. And shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Listen, there'll be days when it seems like the culture is not really against us and Christianity can flourish, but there'll be days when it will be against us and it will feel like we're always going against the flow. We can bear fruit in both of those seasons. So what must we beware? Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I can't even know my own heart, so I can't trust it. So I need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, this is how I feel. I know it goes against what your word says, so I want to line myself up with what you say. So we need to beware of becoming enamored. They need to beware of becoming enamored by the trappings of idolatry. But they also need to realize sin is tempting because if we allow it to affect us, we can end up infecting others by our personal idolatry. Look at the end of verse 18. Lest there should be among you a root that bears gall. Gall is poison. And wormwood. Wormwood is a bitter substance. It'd make you sick if you ate it. And the result of ingesting that poison or that bitter substance is it come to pass, verse 19, when he hears the words of this curse, that he shall bless himself in his heart, saying, oh, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart to add drunkenness to his thirst. You know, the danger is to say, well, nothing bad is going to happen to me. God's blessing the nation. I'm the only one going astray. I'm good. You know, it's one thing to miss out on God's blessings personally, to be thirsty, to have that problem. But it's another to drag others down with you. Drunkenness. Drunken behavior never affects the person who's drunk only. It always hurts others. Always. I have people tell me and say, well, you know, it's just who I am and I'm only hurting myself. I say, tell that to your wife who's sitting in the chair right next to you, bawling her eyes out right now. What do you mean you're only hurting yourself? 
Tell that to your kids who you've broken their hearts year after year because you're not even sober on their birthday. What do you mean it only hurts yourself? Those types of things always hurt the people around us, never just ourselves. So when they would become given into idolatry, even if the rest of the nation is fine, you're going to infect others with that poison. So this is why every person, every family, and every tribe mattered. Because one area of failure could hurt the entire nation because of how that influence begins to spread. And so what's the idea then? Well, influence people in the right direction. I hear people say today so often, I have to do what's right for me. You're a Christian. Don't ever say those words. They're not Christian words, okay? Don't ever say, I have to do what's right for me. Do what's right by the Lord. Deny yourself. Do what's right by others. Deny yourself. Because those are the two greatest commandments, not do what's right by you. If someone failed to do this in Israel, they disobeyed God, they might think they'll get away with it. But the truth is they won't, which is the fifth and final reason they need to keep their covenant with God. They need to do it because everybody matters. Everyone's important to God. Because a relationship with God is the most important thing, number two. Number three, because they need to pass it on to others and they won't be able to do that unless they have one themselves. Number four, because sin is tempting. You don't want to play around with it. And number five, because judgment is sure to those who disobey. Look at verse 20. He says, the Lord will not spare him. He's not going to just pardon him or overlook it. Even if you're the water boy, God's not going to overlook it. He says, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy, he says, it shall smoke against that man. And all the curses that are written in this book, they shall lie upon him. And the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. The word there shall smoke. The Bible says in Psalm 711 that God's angry at sin every day. Angry at sin every day. He's never okay with wrongdoing of any sort. But when someone persists in this type of behavior and thinks it's no big deal, it moves God's anger from passive to active, from feeling to action. And so the Lord says his anger that he feels all the time, if you say, ah, no big deal, everybody else is obeying God, I'm just gonna ride on those coattails. I'm gonna do what I want. He says, no, the Lord's angry at you for that. And he will change from passively being angry where it says that he, his jealousy shall smoke against that man. The word there, smoke, means to be in an aggravated state of displeasure or hostility, to be moved to action. And the nation may be blessed, but he'll distinguish you. He'll separate you unto evil and out of all the tribes of Israel. If the nation's walking with God, God can easily bring all those horrible judgments on you while he blesses everybody else. Just like Israel, we learned earlier, we're a whole, but we don't cease to be individuals. The church may experience God's blessings together, but we all have our individual relationship with God. And God disciplines us when we rebel against him. Don't take God's blessing on our church or upon your family as permission to do what you want. I know God's gonna bless me still because they're all walking with the Lord. Because sadly, one person's rebellion against God, it usually affects those around them. And so Moses reminds them now of what will happen if the entire nation goes astray. Verse 22, if you do this, so much so it says that the generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land, this is where the transition comes. It's the individual that would be spoken out, but if it goes into the nation and the whole land is affected, they'll see all that and they'll say, you know, and the sicknesses which the Lord has laid upon it, the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning that it's not sown with crops, nor does it bring forth fruit and bear, nor is any grass growing on. It'll be just like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath. Even all those nations, when they see that, they'll say, why did the Lord do this unto this land? What means the heat of this great anger? I mean, that's a big deal. Why was God so radical with it? Well, then men will tell them. 
because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he had made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and they served other gods and worshiped him, gods that they did not know and whom he had not given unto them. And so the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. And so the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation. I mean, he cast them into another land as it is this day. This just summarizes all the curses of chapter 28. So I don't want to go through all that again. But the idea here is that God was going to give them every reason to follow him. And if this happened, it's because they chose it. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 with me. It's not what I want to leave you with, but it's one of my final thoughts. And it's a powerful passage in the book of Jeremiah. It kind of chokes me up when I read it. Jeremiah 2, I'm going to start in verse 4. It says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? that they have gone far from me and have walked after vanity. Vanity is another name for idols. And they are become vain. Neither do they say, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought, all these hard places the Lord took them through, all everything that Moses has been telling them in the book of Deuteronomy. Out of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and no man dwelt. They don't even ask where I am. And yet I brought you unto a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land. And you made my heritage an abomination. The priests, they don't say, where is the Lord? They that handle the law, they don't even know me. The pastors, they have also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied, not by me, but by Baal. And they walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore, because of all this, I will still plead with you, says the Lord. I'll plead with their children's children. For pass over the isles of Chittim, very far away from Israel, and see. Send diligently unto Kedar, again, very far away from Israel. And consider diligently, do research, and see if you, anything like this has ever happened. And what is it? Has a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? You go to any other place, and they'll still be faithful to their gods, even though those gods aren't even real. But look at the Lord's cry. Yet my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this. Be shocked, creation. Be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed them out cisterns that are broken cisterns that can't hold any water. What a sad statement. Now, here's the reality. It wasn't always like that. Look at the first three verses with me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you kindness of your youth, the love of your espousals, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that would devour him shall offend and evil shall come upon them, says the Lord. I mean, it was great. And then you did this. I'd ask you tonight, which one of those two things describes your relationship with God? What better time to return to your first love than the season we celebrate his gift of love to us? What better season to do that than now? So, in this pivotal moment, as we close, what will the generation decide? Will they cross over and make their own commitment to the Lord, step over that line that he's calling them to do? Or will they brush off God's word and go into the land in their own strength? We can look back and get our answer. We know this generation was faithful, but they didn't pass on their relationship with God to the next one. And so that generation forgot the Lord. They didn't know that at this time, but God did. And so Moses closed with with these words. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. Why? Why is what God has revealed important? That we might do all the words of his law. That which is unknowable, that which is hidden, that which only God knows. We can't know that. All we can deal with is what God has revealed to us. And God had revealed to Israel all the words of this law. That was what was in front of them, not to worry about anything else. And so I ask you, what has God revealed to us? 
Well, everything we've studied in Deuteronomy, everything we have in the rest of God's word, all that God did for us and all that God wants from us. And that should be enough for us to move forward every day. So I ask you tonight as we do close, is God's love enough for you? Is God's word enough for you? Or are you constantly looking for other things to happen before you'll do what God says? You know, Moses might be calling the nation of Israel to faithfulness, but the Lord repeats that exhortation to us in the New Testament. We read about it in our scripture reading. Who is a wise person? Built his house upon the rock. He who hears the words of God and does them. So let's be those who cross over the line and be faithful. Amen? Let's all stand. Oh Lord, your word. We're not Israel, Lord. We recognize that. And so we understand that specifically the things here don't directly apply to us. But Lord, they do have application because so many of the principles are repeated all throughout your word. This call to commitment, this call to faithfulness, Lord, that you gave to Israel, it's given to us too. And so Lord, we want to answer with a resounding yes. Your love is enough. Your word is enough. We don't need to be constantly trying to figure things out that you haven't revealed to us. We don't have to be worried about all the things that are in the future that you haven't revealed to us. We want to be those who are faithful with what you've put in front of us, obedient to your word, to recognize your love and to rest in that. So Lord, as we make that commitment tonight, we do our part. Will you fill us with your spirit so we can live that out? We can't do it on our own, Lord. Will you fill us with you? Pour out your grace upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God called Israel to trust him and obey him even after they entered the land of promise. But each Israelite, both individually and corporately, needed to choose to obey God's word and make him the priority in their lives. We must do the same. We must choose daily to follow God and to not be distracted with the world and its lusts. Is God's loving presence enough for you? If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.